0: A boy says to his father as they stroll along the trail, while looking at the sunset on the river through the veil, what could destroy a nation vast as ours? His dad replies, illusions of the media and bureaucratic lies. For people aren't as smart as sheep that wander from the fold, trusting everything they see, believing what they're told. The danger is upon them before they realize illusions of the media and bureaucratic lies. And if you try to warn them, they'll say that you're a fool. Your advice will not be heeded like any golden rule by all the haughty scoffers who are led to their demise, by illusions of the media and bureaucratic lies. Be of those that persevere, who number very few, armed with spirit, armed with faith. Defeat will not seek you. Prepare for such destruction, lest it take you by surprise, through illusions of the media and bureaucratic lies. Of course, that's the poem that I ended with of Thelen Polk's uh, in last week's message. I concluded with it. I decided that there's so much. Actually, as you listened to it, hopefully you caught something else that's stated there. There's a lot said in that poem. I thought it would be a good introduction from what, where we left off in last week's or the week before's message. The Pharisees, the scribes, and the elders, as proven in, la- in the last message, are all basically one and the same. Ancient terms used for the same one and the same group of people. And all three we have seen in both the last two messages are represented today in modern Judaism. Now let, if you would, turn with me to the text of this series once again to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16 and verses 11 and 12 again. Yeshua begins, or is speaking in verse 11, and he says, How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of, the, of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees, scribes, and elders are all one and the same, and all three are represented in modern Judaism today. If you want to interpret in light of that, if you want to interpret in modern terms what Matthew chapter 16 or what Yahshua said in Matthew 16, you can simply put it, beware of the Jews. Beware of the leaven of Judaism. That's interpreted into today's language. Now, the primary outlaw, as we're, as we're taking that warning to heart in this day and age when so few really are, taking it literally to heart as it should be as as has been evidenced in our past message and I think will be further evidenced in this message as well. In taking it at the heart, we have seen that the primary outlet of the leaven of Judaism is probably through the media. Now, that's, that's maybe on an equal footing. I suspect probably even a little bit greater than through education. As, edu- as our young people, both, both primary ages, high school and, and colleges, are being taught, that is maybe on an equal footing with the with the influence that comes through that means of educating uh, the masses, um, but at the same time, I, as I've already stated, I I have to believe that probably there is more done in educating the masses in leavening in the leavening effect of the Judaism upon the masses that it comes through the media, the media being the primary means of leavening, and that as we as we are dealing with it in this particular message, dealing specifically with the, the TV, radio, newspapers, different tabloids, and magazines. Now, in last week's message, we we spent the second half of the message looking at the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. You know, if you want to define what this book is really all about, it's simply the Zionist plan for world conquest and dominion. You know, there's, there's really... Everyone today living has a... World, what you could call a world outlook, an outlook on the way the world is to be, and it's, it's, it's. They're not to be blamed for having their one, their world outlook, how they look upon how they want the world to be. Everyone should have that, and they shouldn't be condemned for having their own plan for or their own outlook upon the world. But what their plan is is a whole different situation. This book, and I think not only has seen or evidenced in the time that they wrote it, but I think as you've been able to see, as, as I've referred to it from time to time in different messages, it is indeed, not only then, but also right now, the Zionist plan for world conquest and dominion. Obviously, obvious and knowing that the elders of Zion are one and the same with the Pharisees that Yahshua warned us of in Matthew 16 or warned them of in Matthew 16. Obviously, if that is the case and that is what this particular book is, it is something we need to beware of. There is something to beware of in uh, this day and age. Now, as I mentioned before, there is more importance within this uh, outline or plan for world conquest. There is more importance Uh, emphasis, more importance placed on media control than any other one item in this book. And again, I think you could begin to see why and what what I shared with you in last week's message. Let me uh, share just one protocol that I shared with you last week that emphasizes or explains that very point of why they see the media as so important. Protocol chapter or protocol two, Article five, sentence one sentence one and four. Sentence one reads, In the hands of the states of today there is a great force that creates the movement of thought in the people. And that is the press. They've laid it out there. There is a great force that creates the movement of thought in the people. And then sentence four says but the Goyim states, and I should say specifically Christendom, but the Goyim states has not known how to make use of this force and it has fallen into our hands. And you'll see how, how much so as we get further into this message. You know, that is a part of the dominion that needs to be captured back. That needs to be recaptured by Christendom. Christendom has given up dominion. The dominion here upon this earth was meant and was given by God through Yahshua the Christ to His disciples, to you and I. But we have rolled over and given up dominion to the enemies of Christ. And that is just one area that needs to be taken back. They say, we lost it. We didn't know how to use it, so they took advantage of it. And obviously, if the enemies of Christ, the enemies of Christendom, See, that area is so important. It's obviously a very important area for us as well to again try to reestablish as a part of our dominion. I'm not sure how that's to be done at this point. But in reading that statement again this morning, that particular protocol, it drove home to me that, you know, that's that we just don't need to realize that the dominion has been taken from us. We need to start thinking on ways on how to get it back. You know, we've been, t- we've been telling everybody it's been taken away from us. Regretfully, few want to listen to us. But we've got, maybe they'll start listening when we start figuring out ways to take the dominion back. And that's an area. We need to think about how are we going to take the dominion back? You know, writing letters to the editor certainly may be a very small way to do some of that, but that's, we can start to get some information out that way. But there's got to be even greater plans than that. Why can't we think like they think? You know, if anybody should, is the disciples of Christ. We should have that kind of thinking, to think down generations, if it takes generations, but to think generations down the road in order to accomplish what God intends us to accomplish as Christians, true Christians today. Well, that's an area that we lost and we need to recover. Now, in last week's message, we covered basically through Protocol 5, On those portions that we're dealing with the media where we want to pick it up with is protocol 7 and article 5 protocol 7 and all of article 5 listen to what it says we must compel the governments of the goyim to take action in the direction favored by our widely conceived plan already approaching the desired consummation By what we shall represent as public opinion secretly prompted by us through the means of that so-called great power the press Which with a few exceptions that may be disregarded is already entirely in our hands Now I want to ask you a question in regards to at least the first part of what I read to you there I want you to listen carefully in, re- in relation to what I just read to you, I want you to listen carefully to this question. It may seem like somewhat of a dumb question to ask even at the first, but I want you to think about this question. Is public opinion public opinion? Well, not hardly. At least at first. I want you to listen to sentence one that I read to you f- uh, uh, again. Listen to what it says. It says, we must compel the governments of the goyim to take action in the direction favored by our widely conceived plan already approaching the desired consummation by what we shall represent as public opinion. They re- What they represent as public opinion. They say that we're going to create public opinion. What they represent as public opinion then becomes public opinion. You see, public opinion isn't public opinion at all. You know if this is actually if this, this actually is taking place, and I believe it's absolutely undeniable that it is. But if this actually is what is taking place, then let me ask you, and I want you to think about this and I want you to try to give me an answer for this. what is public opinion? If, if what I just read to you, Has happened and is still happening today through the media and the press. What is public opinion? Who let me put it this way? Whose opinion is public opinion? It's Jewish opinion. They said if if they control and what did they say at the very end? They said which is already entirely in our hands. If that is true, and they're the ones who create public opinion that the public obviously doesn't have until they create it, then what is it? It's Jewish opinion. Public opinion for the most part, and we may not be, may not be able to say entirely, but public opinion for the most part is nothing but Jewish opinion, if indeed they control the press, as indeed they do. Let me uh, read to you, which is found in the back of the protocols, a statement by Rabbi Reichhorn who gave the, what's called the fatal discourse of Rabbi Rykorn, the uh, funeral discourse for Grand Rabbi Simeon Ben Uda. There's different points that are brought out in this, this or, oration. I want to read to you number five in regards to what I just shared with you. Number five, uh, Rabbi Rykorn had this to say. He said, The other great power is the press. By repeating without cessation certain ideas... The press succeeds in the, en- in the end in having them accepted as actualities The theater renders us analogous services everywhere the press and the theater obey our orders He was just saying you just keep feeding it to them over and over and over again whether it's truth or not But if you keep feeding to feeding it to them long enough without cessation it will be accepted as fact and thus our opinion that is their opinion becomes public opinion same thing stated just a little bit differently You know when you think about it Especially in this day and age and I don't think any of you will deny that this isn't the fact but if you think about it The public has no opinion Isn't that the truth for the most part the public has no opinion that's why they're so susceptible to accept their opinion Remember Recall what I shared with you last last week from protocol 3 article 10 where it says the goyam have lost the habit of thinking unless prompted by the suggestions of our specialist. That was 1897 that that was said. How much more so today. Just happened to find this in my in my uh, files in relation to this uh, this morning This is an article that's entitled, How the Media is Manipulated. It's in the Insider Report of May 15, 1990. It's an article written by Eustace Mullins. I'm going to read about three or four paragraphs. Listen, in in relation to what was said by the protocol from last week, Protocol 3, Article 10, again, the Goyim have lost the habit of thinking unless prompted by the suggestions of our specialists. Listen to this. By by Eustace Mullins, most Americans are aware that our principal media outlets, metropolitan daily newspapers, television networks, and nationally circulated magazines are owned by alien influences. However, it is not sufficient merely to own a news outlet. The daily output must be tightly controlled and manipulated for the sinister programs of its owners. One of the principal means for accomplishing this is through the regular appearances of specially Summoned experts on the three major networks daily evening Excuse me on the three major networks daily evening news programs not surprisingly these experts Specialists you call them Not surprising these experts are chosen from a very small list of names Which is known in the news profession as the Golden Rolodex The golden Rolodex, which every newsman is expected to use on pain of dismissal, consists of the names and telephone numbers of these chosen experts, specialists. To give credence to some of their more outlandish claims on the evening news, Dan Rather and Sam Donaldson et al. summon these experts to give deep background to whatever point they are trying to make. We find the same faces appearing frequently on the nightly news programs. Who are these experts and what, are, what is their background? They are remarkably homogenous in background, being drawn from a select list of neoconservative think tanks and former and pr- or present government officials. In short, those who can be counted on to represent the establishment's point of view. I don't know about you, but I never knew about the Golden Rolodex. But it's just a new term for what was stated in Protocol 3, Article 10. The goyim can't think unless it's prompted by, our, by the advice of our specialists, our experts. It's still happening. Nothing's changed. <coughs> Again, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, it's, uh, this, that, whole, uh, that whole idea is uh, that the opinion, that public opinion is, is being manipulated by a select group of people a select quote unquote race of people is I think can be demonstrated in or, or I can use an illustration to demonstrate exactly what what and how it happens. Some of you may have heard this. I wasn't able to put my fingers my hands on the book that this is in. But some of you may have heard heard this before of a classroom experiment that took place with a young group of, of children. I believe they were like seven or eight or nine years old, somewhere in that age group. What they did is that they took all of the children out of the room at a a time Except for one young boy without him knowing and they took all these other children aside one by one or as a group I'm not sure but they took them aside and they they told them that they were they told them the question that was going to be Asked by the teacher and told them the answer that they wanted them to give to the to the to the question Asked by the teacher which happened to be the wrong answer It was a very simple question so all, these, all the students were together, and the question was going to be put forth by the teacher, wherein all these, the majority of the students were going to answer incorrectly with this one boy uh, not realizing it was going to take place. The question was very simple. The, the, the teacher went up to the blackboard and drew two lines on the blackboard. One was longer than the other. And she simply asked the question, which of the two lines is the longest of the two lines, A or B? She started with A, which was significantly shorter than line B. And she said, how many of you believe, raised by by a raise of your hands, how many of you believe line A is longer than line B? Now, keep in mind, line A was much shorter than line B. All the children had been told to answer incorrectly, so they all raised their, their hand as line A, that line A was longer than line B. And the one little boy who had not been told this looked around at his classmates, all raising their hands at the obviously wrong answer, looked again at the blackboard, and then slowly raised his hand too. You know, the little boy is represented as the public in this illustration. And the rest of the class is the Jewish opinion that then became public opinion. You know, nobody wants to be different in this day and age. You know, what a sad state of affairs when nobody wants to be different. You know, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. I think it's real interesting that Paul in the book of Romans said, when you're in Rome, don't do as the Romans do. Don't be, or when you're in the world, don't be conformed to the world. We have just a bunch of conformists today that have been created probably for the most part by them. They have taken away our ability to think and to be individualist. You know, this whole thing should put up give us a whole new understanding and appreciation. Put first Corinthians chapter ten verses three through five in a new light. Turn there if you would. First Corinthians chapter ten. Excuse me, it's Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter ten, verses three through five. as I read it, listen to it in light of what I've just shared with you. Verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to obedience to Christ. First of all, especially within that last statement, it should put... It should bring the importance of that last statement in a much greater... uh, should bring it home in a much greater way to us. Again, it says that we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How important that is when public opinion is being manipulated and swayed by such a select view. If we are not doing that, I guarantee we will be swayed right along with the rest of the public by what we listen to and read through the newspapers and through the other media outlets, it is guaranteed. Notice that by our doing so, we will then be able to accomplish what then comes or what came in the verses previously. We don't walk according to flesh. We do not, or excuse, yes, we do not walk or we do not war according to flesh. For our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of Christ. You know what we've done with those two verses? We've given up dominion again in regards to those two verses. You see, that's just been reversed. And that's what's explained in the protocol I just read to you. That is what is happening to us. They have taken every thought captive for their own purposes, and they are destroying all of our understanding and knowledge and individuality as Christians. We've got to take dominion once again. I also think it's, in, it's especially important, especially in light of the, at, of the writing of these protocols. Again, written in 1897, at the end of what I read to you in this particular protocol, in this particular article, they said the, this, they talked they talked about the so-called Great Force, the press. Then they said, with with a few, which with a few exceptions that may be disregarded is already entirely in our hands. In 1897, they were already claiming that it was already theirs. How much more so today? Theodor Herzl, in that same meeting in Basel, Switzerland in 1897, also said this about this same point. He said, quote, We are neither American nor Russian Jews, but only Jews, and our aim is to establish Jewish power throughout the world, and to achieve that goal it is it is our intention to obtain and maintain Jewish control of the press of the world and thus of the world of the world public mind. End quote. They already had obtained it according to the protocols. The question is, have they maintained it? Could this possibly be true that one small, minute segment of society is in total control of one of the most... Uh, powerful means of influence in the world. Could it be true? Well, let's listen to some others who have claimed the same things that they themselves claim. How about Charles A. Lindbergh? In his wartime journals, he said, quote, We are disturbed about the effect of the Jewish influence on the press, radio, and motion pictures. It may become very serious. End quote. There's one point I disagree with what Charles Lindbergh said said there. It, It was already... Very serious. How about uh, and I'm not going to claim to get this name pronounced correctly. I'll get it as close as I can. Mahathir Muhammad, who was Prime Minister of Malaysia, he had this to say: "Quote, the Western press is not free, as they have as they have to bow bow to Zionist interests. It is clear the foreign press, in, the, in his from his standpoint, he was talking about the Western press. It is clear the foreign press is under." greater domination because of of the Zionist influence than the Malaysian press, which is under the control of the government, end quote. General George Brown, who was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs in 1974, President Ford, under President Ford, and during that time, President Ford publicly reprimanded him for statements regarding excessive Jewish influence in the media in the banks, and in Congress. Publicly reprimanded for doing so. Was it because it wasn't true that he was reprimanded? Absolutely not. You know, a slave is not permitted to reprimand the master. That's why he was reprimanded. You don't dare, dare do that. Even if you are a general, you don't do it. Well, you say, Wow, those are those are great statements. Those are great claims." But I want some proof. Well, how much proof do you want? You know, this is probably one of the easiest proven uh, things uh, around if people just either get the research or do some little do some research. Let me read to you from the witness by uh, uh, Curtis Dickinson. This will be February 1990, his issue in his panorama section in the back, under uh, a title. Of Media Monopoly Monopoly. He says when 50 men and women chiefs of their corporations control more than half the information and ideas that reach 249 million Americans It is time for Americans to examine the institutions from which they receive their daily picture of the world This criticism that was in quotes by the way This criticism came from professor Ben H. Batakin, who went on to say quote the United States has an impressive array of mass communications there are 1,700 daily newspapers, 11,000 magazines, 9,000 radio, and 1,000 telev- television stations, 2,500 book publishers, and seven movie studios. If each of these were operated by a different owner, there would be 25,000 individual media voices in the country. However, there are not 25,000 different owners. Today, 29 corporations want, own most of the output Of daily newspapers and most of the sales and audience in magazines broadcasting books and movies the 50 men and women who had these corporations would fit in a large room they constitute a private ministry of information and culture and then he goes then it goes on to say uh, that was end quote and then Curtis goes on to say to make matters far worse most of the major media figures editors reporters directors, etc. Belong to the Council on Foreign Relations and or Trilateral Commission groups organized and controlled by the Rockefeller family and other Zionist Zionist for the stated purpose of merging the US with Soviet Russia and bringing about a new world order an example of such control is in the fact that the Rockefeller Chase Manhattan Bank controls 14% of CBS stock making them the largest stockholder and giving them outright control not only that, I have information that they control all three uh, networks, t- television networks. Now, you say, well, that's, that's, again, a great statement. Well, what about the proof? Well, I'm not going to read it all, but I've got another sheet of paper here entitled, Who Controls the Media?, wherein, if you, and if you remember, this man stated that it was all under the control of the Trilateralist and uh, Council on Foreign Relations, and here it lists all the trilateral and Council of Foreign Relations members who own NBC RCA ABC Associated Press UPI uh, And on down the line. I've got the names if somebody wants them There's no reason for me to to list them off, but I've got them if you want the proof Let me read to you another note from another one. That's uh, I think you'll find interesting This is entitled how they rule the media monopolies this is again for further. This will give you a little bit. Uh, this will give you some names and some proof of the fact that this is uh, what the Jews even claimed in 1897 is certainly still true today. Uh, about three paragraphs down, it starts and it, it begins by saying, "Consider, for example, the TV news broadcasting industry. This is probably the single most influential mass medium. Virtually all national and international TV news in the U.S. is is." Filmed, edited, and broadcast by just three corporations American Broadcasting Companies, Inc., ABC, and of course CBS and NBC. The last is not an independent corporation, but is a subsidiary of Radio Corporation of America, RCA. The President and Chief Executive Officer of ABC is Leonard Goldston. The General Matt, excuse me, that's Gold, Goldenson. The general manager of ABC News is Martin Rubenstein, and under Mr. Rubenstein as executive producer of ABC's TV news programs is Avram Weston. The top man at CBS is chairman of the board, William S. Paley. The CBS News subsidiary is run by President Richard S. Salant. Robert Sarnoff is president, chief executive officer, and chairman of the board of RCA. The president and chief operating officer of NBC. NBC itself is Herbert S. Slosher. Under Slosher as president at NBC News is Richard Wade Continuing the major broadcasting corporations employ hundreds of persons in executive positions, but the eight men named Above are at the key control points. They are the ones who have the ultimate decisions making authority They dictate what 210 million Americans shall learn of what has happened in the nation and in the world each day all eight of them Goldenson Rubinstein Weston Paley, Salent, Sarnoff, Slosher, and Wald are Jews. After television, daily newspapers are the most influential mass medium in America. He goes on to say how many copies and so forth. And he says, today, more than half of the daily newspaper's circulation in America is controlled directly and the remainder indirectly by Jews, a minority group which makes up only 2.9% of the total population. And he goes in the New York Times and the Washington Post and so forth and so on and gives... Again, further documentation on who controls and is behind the media. Now, if you want more proof, I can simply point you to a track that many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with that uh, the late Sheldon Emery put out through America's Promise newsletter, and we have them available if anybody wants them, called Who Rules America? Again, just plain old documentation of who is behind the media. Documentation that proves that the Zionist claim and the protocols of the learned elders of Zion was no empty claim Not only that if you really want to really dig and really get some proof I have a book that I can make available called Jewish influence on the United States media By the way it wasn't put out by any quote-unquote white supremacist group that may want to have made up the facts This one happens to be put out by the Palestine Arab delegation of course. They're they're very anti-semitic, too well if you want to find out who's who in media, this book has it. Starts off with the television networks, who's behind each of them, and who's in the controlling positions. Goes into uh, uh, the radio stations, magazines. Uh, let's see what else, and then into the daily newspapers of the United States. For example, you want to know who runs the Scottsbluff Star Herald. Uh, it gives you the number the circulation number and then it says it's the national newspaper national newspaper representative is Braunham, um, newspaper sales, and Harold Lesserson is the sales manager. Um and I believe they're all owned by the Omaha World Herald, is that correct? No, I think it's Lincoln. Lincoln? Well let's go to Lincoln. Lincoln Lincoln Star. Lincoln Star. Okay, they've got them here too. National Newspaper Representative, Sawyer Ferguson Walker Company. Uh, initial B Gingold who is vice president. So if you want if, the, if you want documentation for their claims, they're read, they're they're available. Anybody who happens to be in the Tate ministry that wants it, I'll get it for them. Um, it's easily attainable. It's not a, it's not just idle statements made by them or statements made by some white supremacist racist group who wants to try to to prove something that isn't provable. It is very provable. The facts are there. Well, let's go on. Let's now go on to protocol number 12 and article 3. And As I mentioned in last week's message, there's probably more in protocol 12 alone than in all the rest of the protocols concerning media control. Let me start with protocol 12, article 3, sentence 1, one through 4. It says, We shall deal with the press in the following way. What is the part played by the press today? It serves to excite and inflame those passions which are needed for our purpose or else it serves selfish ends of parties it is often vapid unjust mendacious and the mendacious and the majority of the public have not the slightest idea what ends the press really serves we shall saddle and bridle it with a tight curb we shall do the same also with all productions of the printing press for where where would be the sense of getting rid of the attacks of the press if we remain targets for pamphlets and books? Let me begin with this statement where it said, It serves to excite and inflame those passions which are needed for our purpose. You know, when I read that, it immediately made me think of a passage in the Bible, an event in the Bible that was shared with us at the Lord's table. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27. Just by the chapter, you should know what event I'm, it's, this is going to be addressing. Again, they said in the Protocols, it serves to excite and inflame those passions passions which are needed for our purpose. Listen to Matthew chapter 27, starting with verse 20. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes to ask for Barabbas and to put Joshua to death. But the governor answered and said to them which of the two do you want want me to release for you and they said Barabbas Pilate said to them then what shall I do with Yahshua who is called the Christ they all said let him be crucified and he said why what evil has this man done but they kept shouting all the more saying let him be crucified and when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing but rather that a riot was starting he took water and washed his hands in front of the multitude saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people answered and said, His blood be upon us and our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Yahshua scourged, he delivered him to be crucified. Now, what really brings that situation into focus is to realize that just earlier in the week, this very same mob had been the crowd who had been laying out the palm branches before the donkey that Yahshua Road, crying out, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of David. Now, how could that crowd who were amazed and and excited about the the, the entry of Yahshua's Messiah and King into the city of Jerusalem within just a few days be turned around to the point where they were crying out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Well, I would say that they probably had their passions excited and inflamed. Now, there wasn't any flyers that went out. There wasn't newspapers that all of a sudden gave a bad report on Yahshua. But keep in mind, it was the very same people, the elders and the Pharisees and the scribes of that day and age who incited and inflamed the passions of that crowd there by their words. The only difference is today they're now doing it through the printed word. Same group of people. And they're very good at it. They like to use catchphrases. Phrases. Catchphrases are what I call correct catchphrases or catch words that will excite and inflame the passions of the people. How about words like anti-Semitic? How about a word like that's fairly new, that's anti-Semitic, maybe it was getting a little worn out and they had to come up with a new one? How about neo-Nazi? Or white supremacist? <laughs> You know, they're they're experts at taking those terms and what do they do? They do exactly what they claim they do. They incite and they inflame the people to where the people can't hear anything else. Present the facts to somebody who believes that you're an anti-Semitic or believes that you're a neo-Nazi. And how far do you think you're going to get? With only a very small minority will you get anywhere because they've, they've, their passions are all of a sudden involved to where... They're so excited and so inflamed they can't hear the truth. Great tactic. Protocol 9, Article 2, Sentence 4 also speaks to this. It says, Nowadays, if any any state raises a protest against us, it is pro forma. I had to look that up. It means provided in advance. It is pro forma at our discretion and by our direction, for their anti-Semitism is indispensable for us For the management of our lesser brethren. End quote. Protocol 9, Article 2, Sentence 4. They, that's the way that they do it. They incite and they inflame. It also, I thought it was also very interesting, and especially in light of today's society. It said in Sentence 3 of that protocol, the previous one, it says the majority of the public have not the slightest idea what ends the press really serves. I can just hear somebody saying, you, you, do you mean to tell me that the, that the press's primary end is not to inform the public about world affairs? Isn't that the primary end of the, of the press? Well, of course, the majority of the public today would probably respond that way, or at least think that way. Why? Because the majority of the public have not the slightest idea what ends the press really serves. That's Why? they have no idea what is going on you know you can see as a, again just as a result of this one statement made here in this protocol you can see the urgent need again for our people to be given the warning beware of the leaven of the pharisees remember it's the dog nobody knows bites that you need to be that people need to be warned of nobody knows the end of the press they need to hear the warning beware don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read. You're being manipulated. It also made made a point to say that 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 there were excuse me that they were in control of the printing presses, or in other words, that they have control of the publishing houses. Uh, basically, one and the same. Same thing. Has it happened? we we'll look at we'll look at Protocol Twelve and Article Seven in answer to this. First sentence says we turn. To the periodical press, and then sentence six says, and if there should be any found who are desirous of writing against us, they will not find any person eager to print their productions. Now, let me ask you a question. I just completed my final copy, this or my rough draft of of my first book. I didn't see the choices clear this last this last week. Do you think I can take it down to any major publishing house and expect for it to be printed? Not gonna happen, is it? No, we've got to go to our under quote unquote underground presses to, to be able to get the message out to people who so desperately need to need to hear. Why? Because they're in control of the public, of the publishing houses. They stated it then, they claimed it then, and it's still in force today, and that's proof of it. It's happened. Article eight also uh, of the same protocol goes on to say, sentences one through four, it says, Literature and journalism are two of the most important educative forces, and therefore our government will become proprietor of the majority of the journals. This will neutralize the injurious influence of the privately owned press, the underground press, as it is often called, and will put us in possession of a tremendous influence upon the public mind. If we give permits for ten journals, we shall ourselves Found thirty, and so, excuse me, and so in the same proportion. This, however, must be no wise be be suspected by the public. In other words, if they allow the goyim to have their own journals, if they allow ten, they're going to come out with thirty or forty or fifty. And I suspect that it's because of their dominating control today, it's a much greater percentage of what's out there that's theirs they may allow the goyim to occasionally come out with something but they override it with all the rest that they have the majority the the amount that they are able to put out on the same subject okay let's now go to protocol protocol 12 again in article 4 article 4 and ver, uh, sentences 1 through 4 it says not a single announcement will reach the public without our control even now this is already being attained by a- me. attained by us inasmuch as all news items are received by a few agencies in whose offices they are focused from all parts of the world. These agencies will then be already entirely ours and will give publicity, publicity only to what we dictate to them. Does that ring a bell? Agencies? The agencies only in their control? Only a few agencies that disseminate the, 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 the news that they want disseminated? How about the UPI and and uh, the API, Associated Press. How about those two? Did you know that UPI isn't even in existence anymore? It's now in the hands of just one, the API, or the AP. You know, not only a few, now it's only one in total control. And, of course, they controlled the two, and now the other has been brought into the one also found it interesting that uh, I think I shared this with you in another message. I happened to catch this on the news. I'm not sure if it was a commercial or if it was in the news somehow, but I don't watch Johnny Carson, so I know I didn't get this on Johnny Carson, but it was a portion of a Johnny Carson show wherein he was uh, interviewing Connie Chung. And he asked the question, he said, "How much of the news, How much of the news that you all put out comes from individual investigation versus what is handed to you from the government from Washington, D.C.? He said, every cotton-picking bit comes through Washington, D.C. And you know, that's a whole other series is who's behind Washington, D.C. for the most part and who's in control and the manipulating forces there. But it's all, everything there are given. There's no individual research and in going out and finding out what's going on. And that'll be brought even clearer as we continue as well. A few agencies... Um, um, again, or they said, not a single announcement will reach the public without our control, through Washington D.C.'s control or through whoever's control they are controlling, and nothing is getting out that they don't want out. At the same time, going on, Protocol Twelve, Article Five, Sentence One says, "If, if already now we have contri- we have contrived to possess ourselves of the minds of the Goy communities to such an extent that they all come." near looking upon the events of the world through the colored glasses of those spectacles we are setting astride their noses. Let me read that again. If already now we have contrived to possess ourselves of the minds of the Goy communities to such an extent that they all come near looking upon the events of the world through the colored glasses of those spectacles we are setting astride their noses. Maybe that's where the term rose-colored glasses comes from. You know, do you think the public forms their own... Conclusions regarding national and world events, or do they simply follow the lead of some Washington correspondent? That's an easy answer, isn't it? Everybody knows they don't form their own opinions about what's going on in the world. You know, if that was the, if if that's not the case, why is it uh, only terror terrorism over in the Middle East when the Arabs do it, and everybody? That's that's the way everybody believes. The the Jews, the Israelis never commit terrorism. It's only the Arabs. Why? Because we are fulfilling, or they are fulfilling, exactly the control they claim they have. Going on, Protocol 12 and Article 12 uh, goes on to claim total newspaper control. It says, all our newspapers will be of all possible complexions, aristocratic, republican, revolutionary, even anarchical, for so, long, for so long of course as the Constitution exists. Like the Indian idol Vishnu, they will have a hundred hands, and every one of them will have a finger on any one of the public opinions as required. When a pulse quickens, these hands will lead opinions in the direction of our aims. For an exacted patient loses all power of judgment and easily yields to suggestion. Those fools who will think they are repeating the opinion of of a newspaper of their own camp will be repeating our opinion or any opinion that seems desirable for us. In the vain belief that they are following the organ of their party, they will in fact follow the flag which we hang cut for them. You know, it kind of reminds one of what everybody knows today, it doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat, or whether they are Republican or Democrat when they get into office. They're all controlled by the same bunch. It doesn't matter. No matter what what verbiage they happen to spew out, the result is always the same. You know, would we be any different shape? Maybe a little bit further along, but would we, we would we be headed in any different direction if the, the caucus was president today instead of George Bush? He may have gotten us there faster but we wouldn't be heading in any different direction didn't make any difference same when it comes to any particular newspaper that we may want to claim it may have a different slant it may approach it in a different manner but it all ends it, it, it they all take us to the same desired conclusion of the zionist control or those who control Had a little uh, cartoon. It's called the Peter Principle. Peter and and Wuchler. It's a cartoon of a of a fellow that's gone into a uh, TV repair shop, and he uh, he's got the TV on the counter, talking to the TV repairman. He says the picture is always distorted, and the uh, TV repairman says, "Have you tried watching anything other than the news?" About that depicted the situation quite well. You know, there's there's one surefire way to know in spot in light of what we've we've uh, read here, and especially in light of the fact that they are claiming total control of the media and total control of all the newspaper outlets, there's one surefire way for us to know that we're being led, that we're not being led by one of their organs, one of their created organs, as they call it, and that is simply to let the Bible, God's Word, be the foundation of everything that we believe. If we don't do that and if we don't take every thought captive we will find ourselves again just being swayed just like the rest of the public. Listen to what Howard Beale of Network had to say. He says, if you want truth don't come to us. We'll tell you anything but the truth. Go to God. Go to your gurus. Go to yourselves but don't come to us. Your lives are real. We are an illusion. End quote. Now I don't They don't encourage going to ourselves. They don't encourage going to the gurus. But he had it right. Go to God. Go to His Word. Stand on the solid foundation of the rock that's found in God's Word through Yahshua the Christ. And we won't be manipulated. We'll be the elite that stands out in the front and says, Hey, wait a minute. That's not the way it is. That's not the truth. That's nothing but illusion and lies. That's being told to overcome us and to destroy us. Going on, Protocol 12, and i have to cover the rest of this quickly. Protocol 12, uh, Article 13, Sentence 1, uses the term, I won't read to read the whole article, but it uses the term newspaper militia, which is just further evidence that we are in a war. You know, and it's time that Christians start to see it that way, that we're in a war. You know, what a disadvantage for Christ, for the. Christians are in or at when the enemies have declared war and Christianity refuses to see it that way. Oh, we're not in a war. We don't have enemies. And even if we do, we're going to be raptured out of this mess. And it's time we see that we're in a war. They use the terms newspaper militia. It's a war of words right now. And it's becoming, it's going to become it's becoming and going to become much worse than that if we don't take again back the dominion. You know, Christianity, today's Christianity, for the most part, is, is literally just a dream world. It's just a, a plan to get to go to heaven. Just just a, the warm fuzzies that Yahshua that, that is supposed to put in your heart. They have no concept of the fact that we are in a literal war today. They know it. We, we, we don't, for the right. most part. Protocol 12, Article 15, sentences two and four. You know, some have wondered why the press in recent times have been uh, have been uh, hard on the Israelis. Listen to this protocol 12, Article 15, sentences two and four. It says, thanks to such methods, we shall be in a position as from time to time may be required to excite or to tranquilize the public mind on political questions, to persuade or to confuse. Printing now truth, now lies, facts or their contradictions, according as they may be well or ill-received, always very cautiously feeling our ground before stepping upon it. We shall have a sure triumph over our opponents, since they will not have at their disposition organs of the press in which they can give full and final expression to their views owing to the aforesaid mentions of dealing with the press. We shall not even need to refute them except very superficially." Now there's been some question. Well, why have all of a sudden is the press attacking Israelis, especially just before the war broke out? Well, it's to their purpose. Whatever that purpose may be, it's to their purpose. They may excite or they may tranquilize. Well, however they want to do it. It was all of a sudden you start to wonder, well, do the Zionists really have control? Would they would they do that if they have control? You bet they would. Because it creates a purpose to an end they want to achieve. I'm not sure what that was, but guaranteed it was to their purpose. They admit that it would happen. Protocol 12, 17, sentences 1 and 2. Uh, it says, All organs of the press are bound together by professional secrecy. Like the augurs of old, not one of their numbers will give away the secret of his sources of information unless it be resolved to make announcement of them. Not one journalist will venture to betray this secret For not one of them is ever admitted to practice literature unless his whole past has some disgraceful sore or other. These sores would be immediately revealed. They don't dare reveal their secret of what's really going on. Well, one happened to slip through. I'm sure you've all heard the quote before, but let me read it again. following is a quote from the speech of retiring editor John Swinton, which he made in 1914 before the publisher's, editor's, journalist's, And reporters attending the 1914 annual dinner of the American Press Association among other things. He said quote There is no such thing as an independent press in America If we accept that of a of little country towns, you know that and I know that Not a man among you dares to utter his honest opinion were you to utter it you know beforehand that it would never appear in print I am paid hundred and fifty dollars a week so that I may keep my honest opinion out of the newspaper for which I write You too are paid similar salaries for similar services were I to to permit that a single Edition of my newspaper contain an honest opinion my occupation like a fellows would be gone in less than 24 hours the man who would be so foolish as to write his honest opinion would soon be on the streets in search of another job it is the duty of a New York journalist to lie Distort, to revile, to toady at the feet of mammon, and to sell his country and his race for his daily bread, or what amounts to the same thing, his salary. You are the tools and the vessels of the rich behind the scenes. We are marinettes. These men, doesn't name who they are, but we know who they are. These men pull the strings, and we dance. Our time, our talents, our lives, our capabilities are all the pro- properties of these men. We are intellectual prostitutes end quote now one slipped through but only because the man was retiring and he didn't have anything to lose again protocol 13 actually even testifies to that very same thing listen to, in almost the same language as this this man happened to say protocol 13 article 1 he said it says the need for daily bread mammon the need for daily bread forces the goyim to keep silence and be our humble servants. Agents taken on to our press from among the goyim will at our orders discuss anything which is inconvenient for us to issue directly in official documents. Goyim, uh, goyim Pons. Article 6, listen to it. It says, Who will ever suspect then that all these peoples were stage managed by us according to the political plan, which no one has so much as guessed at in the course of many centuries. They were pawns at the hands of those who controlled and pulled the strings. I'm going to skip some of this because time is running out. But there's 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 even more in the protocols concerning the media, their media control. Let me do read uh, protocol 13 now, in article one, going back to that where it says the need. Of for daily bread forces the goyim to keep sil- silence and be our humble servants. Agents taken to our press from among it, the goyim will at our orders discuss anything which it is inconvenient for us to issue directly in official documents. Going on, verse uh, sentences 4 and 5. Let me make sure that's what I want here. Uh, let me jump over here to Article 3, 4 and 5. It says, In order that the masses themselves may not guess what they are about, we further distract them with amusements, games, pastimes, passions, people's palaces. Soon we shall begin through the press to propose competitions in art, in sport of all kinds. These interests will finally distract their minds from questions in which we should find ourselves compelled to, op- to oppose them. Now let me ask you, which, what are the two most read portions in the newspapers today? Funny, funny, funnies, or, or the comics and the sports—exactly what they said they'd do. Well, again, I'm going to have to go on here. Um, they also admit that they're the promoters of, uh, of pornography—not uh, only the, crea- the creators and the promoters of pornography. Um, you name it, as far as what's going on in the media, through the through the press, through the media, through TV, through radio, through through all of that, and you will find that they have already claimed whatever is happening, ha- is happening today, they have already claimed that they would accomplish it as far back as 1897. And you will find very clearly who's in control of it all. In conclusion, you know, Jeremiah warns us of, in Jeremiah 8, the lying pen of the scribes. Paul admonishes us in Titus 1, verses 10-14 through 14, to give no attention to Jewish fables Peter forewarned, forewarned us in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, of the false teachers, of, of false teachers ar- uh, arising among us, introducing destructive heresies, exploiting with false words, maligning the truth, and even denying the Master. And Joshua very clearly declared to us, "Watch out! Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees." Let's stand, and we'll close in prayer.